Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello and welcome to episode 738 with Elise Cortez. If you want to be more inspired or be more inspiring, Elise has got the goods for you. So you'll learn one, the three principal sources of meaning, two, how to get yourself out of a job rut, and three, what people look for in an inspirational leader. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, please pay us a visit over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP738. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP738. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, check out some goodies like our Gold Nugget email summaries, which summarize the actionable wisdom of each guest. They go right to your inbox. You can read them in about two or three minutes and you unlock the whole archive of all 738 of these summary write-ups. That's called the Gold Nuggets. We got those and a bunch of other goodies for you over at awesomeatyourjob.com. So check them out. And here's Elise's story. Dr. Elise Cortez is the Chief Purpose Officer at Elise Cortez & Associates, a management consulting firm. She's also an inspirational speaker, social scientist, author, and the host of the Working On Purpose radio show. She's developed her expertise within the human capital and organizational excellence industry for over 20 years, and she's focused on helping companies, leaders, and individuals across the globe to live with gusto, meaning, and purpose. She's the author of Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Unleash Passion and Elevate Cause, and the creator of Passionately Striving in Why, an anthology of women who persevere mightily to live their purpose. Big thanks to Elise for sharing her wisdom with us. A big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Elise. Elise, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the other end of the mic. Well, I'm excited to be chatting with you and to hear about your wisdom when it comes to purpose and inspiration and and fighting burnout. But first, I want to hear, you had an aspiration as a youth. Tell us about this. (laughs) Yeah, let's just be thankful that things change and evolve over time and hopefully very quickly. So Pete, when I was in, in my elementary school years, and I ask a lot of people this when I'm doing my interviews with them, what did they want to be when they were young, like in elementary school? And I had a very, very strong singular aspiration in the second grade to become a horse. Mm-hmm. And that was because I, I, my mother was married five times by the time she was 28. She finally found Mr. Wright in her fifth marriage when I was in second grade. And he moved us to this farm and I had my own horse. He was my best friend. And I thought, wow, if a being can be that magnificent, I want to be one of those. So I literally, Pete, would go around. I had two younger siblings at the time. 
I would literally go around practicing being a horse. And so I'd get on all fours and they, I gave them rides in my back and I practicing my, my practice, my whinny. And I was ready to be a horse. And my parents were of course horrified. I don't know how long it took me to, to outgrow that, but that was my first aspiration. It's interesting. They say, which is, that's a great question. What you want to be when you were little in terms of what upon growing up and there are often clues in that about your interests and passions and things. Tell me, were there some things about horses that connected to what you're doing now? What a thoughtful, beautiful question. As you ask me the question, I can connect the dots. No one's ever asked me that before. But yeah, there's something about, for me, horses are magnificent. They are elegant. They are elevated. They are graceful. And so the work that I do today, so much is about stewarding consciousness. That's so much of the work that I do. And yeah, so we're, we're, I'm stewarding individual lives, organizations upward and toward magnificence, toward elegance, toward something bigger and beautiful, more beautiful. So yeah, I think I can connect it, my fascination with horses to what I do now. Cool. All right. Well, so now let's, let's chat a little bit about uh, some purpose You've got uh, a new book, Purpose Ignited. What's the big idea here? Yeah, the big idea here is that each and every single one of us have the capacity and, frankly, the responsibility to be able to ignite that which is already within us in terms of our energy, our passion, our vitality. It's always there and available to us, but we lose it along the way in life as we go out and we get burnt out and we get overwhelmed, etc. But it's always there. And so the book really teaches us how to remain vigilant and develop it and exercise it on a daily basis, first as individuals and then as inspirational leaders. All right. Well, tell us when it comes to, I'm thinking a little bit about if someone is listening and uh, you're an individual and you are not yet having direct reports, but you are feeling your inspiration, motivation sagging and maybe burnout on the rise, what would you recommend or are some of the, the top things they should do? Oh, yeah. I got this, Pete. I got this. Okay. So I haven't introduced myself as a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose and an organizational logotherapist, but now is the time to do so. So when it comes to logotherapy, what that really speaks to is healing and vitality through meaning. And I don't think you can go a day without hearing about purpose and meaning, but what the heck are they? Right. And so and, and how do we actually get to them? So as a as a, a logotherapist, a lot of the work that I'm doing is help, helping people to to access meaning in their lives and their work, because when they do so, that is their ultimate turn on mechanism, their ultimate energy source. Essentially, that's what logotherapy teaches. And that's what I embrace. So what I would say is. I'll share with you there are three principal sources of meaning according to logotherapy and when we can each access those and learn to presence them in the moment to moments of our lives, the more energy that we have and the more irresistible we become to other people. So I'll share with those really quick, but before I do, do you want me to speak just to the individual piece or do you want me to speak to this model first? Well, yeah, let's hear about the individual and then the model. Okay, so so let's go back to the, the you know from an individualistic vantage point. We each and every one of us have access to this this notion of meaning in the everyday moments of our life and across our lives. And yet it's up to us to be able to find that. And the more meaning we can find in our lives, the more lifted we are, the more energetic we are, and frankly, the more irresistible we are to other people. So what does that speak to? How do we translate that to the world of work? As individuals, one, when we really understand what it is that lights us up, what do we love? 
we can opt into those opportunities and let anything else go that doesn't actually fit that path or that pattern, if you will. And then two, when we are leading other people uh, or we want to lead other people, even if we've never done that before, when we're so up to something that turns us on and lights us up and we're passionate about, that is what is irresistible to others. In fact, what we what we've learned in the leadership space, Pete, is that you know, there's all different kinds of ways that, that leadership has been thought about, categorized, and tried to develop over the years. But where we come to with a, a lot of a lot of common ground with, with thought leaders in the same space is the one thing that we really need is inspiration. We need inspirational leaders who actually show us the possibility of something much bigger than ourselves, that, that makes us feel like we're part of something much bigger than ourselves and that we belong to that and helps us grow into the best version of ourselves. So individually, what we really need is that path to meaning to steward us toward that higher being in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, so then I'm curious if, if we're doing our own introspection and we, we want to tap into that ultimate energy source and, and get some more of that, how do we come to get a great understanding of, of what really lights us up? Yeah. Okay. So then I want to get into the model then. So according to logotherapy, there's three principal sources of meaning. And so the first one is creative, and that is what we give of ourselves to the world, that we can uniquely give of ourselves to the world. And I translate that word to passion. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you can't not do in the world, that if nobody was looking and nobody paid you, what would you do? Right. It's that's the stuff. And, and it's always the thing that you put yourself into. Um, so for me, just as an example, one of the things for me is I have to go find someone on a daily basis that I can uplift. So even if it's in the grocery store, even if it's walking down the sidewalk, I look for someone that I can say something kind about, not because I want something, Pete, but because when I do that, the act of giving that unique message from me to them lifts me. And that's the energy source back that I'm talking about. So the more that we, one, know what our passions are and two, exercise them, the more energy we get. So when I'm out speaking to audiences, Pete and I ask people that question. I ask an audience of 100 people, 500 people, 1,000 people, what are you passionate about? Guess, Pete, what the number one response is. Uh, helping people? <laughs> yeah, I'll get that as a, as a little uh, response here and there. People, some people will say families, some will say travel. But the universal response, more in common, is I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it was so funny. I don't know. I was about to say, I don't know yeah. because I didn't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I thought, I'm going to give her a good guess. Let's see. <laughs> Let me find something. I was like, wine, coffee, travel. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's go with helping right. people. <laughs> but but those, again, are not really passionate because those are just things you enjoy. You're not putting yourself yeah. into them unless you're like, you know, savoring the moment and letting, you know, the, your, the juices run down your chin as you drink that coffee or drink that wine or whatever. So... Passion is your first source of meaning. The second source is experiential. And this is what the world gives you in the way of encounters and experiences. And I translate that to inspiration. So those are the moments that literally breathe life into yourself as you as you experience them. And so their interactions, encounters, people might then say things like travel is an inspiration or watching, you know, somebody do something really amazing or great. You know, so for me, there's lots of sources of of inspiration and hosting my radio show is one of them. Each week I'm having an amazing conversation with somebody who teaches me something. So that breathes something into me. And then the third uh, source of meaning is attitudinal. So all things, one important thing to understand is all of these sources have to surround themselves around a value that you hold. So whatever it is, you know, I value empowerment. So therefore, lifting others is part of the reason that those those giving of those experiences to others is meaningful to me. 
I value learning and growth. So hosting the radio show is why that works for me as an inspiration. So the attitudinal is that becomes a source of meaning when, especially when you face an encounter or fate in life that you cannot control, but you turn that into the ability to recognize it as, a, as an achievement. But for the way that you that you allow yourself to put an attitude toward it or your mindset. So, you know, the one thing that we always have control over, Pete, no matter what, is the attitude that we take against whatever circumstances life puts forth through us. Mm -hmm. And it is that which we have control and that is our that is our brand. So whether you're an optimist or whether you're somebody that say, oh, woe is me, I'm a victim, all that's true because your mind told you that. So you have an opportunity to be able to architect that mindset. And for me, it's all about, you know, what will you do with your one precious life? You have just one of them. What are you going to do? I just watched, by the way, last night, 14 Peaks. If that is not inspirational and doesn't teach you the sheer power of mindset, I do not know what does. Have you seen it? I've not. Oh, it's incredible. It's about a Nepalese man who finds a team against all odds. And he summits the 14 tallest mountains over 8,000 meters. Is it meters? In less than seven weeks. <laughs> yeah <Wow>. it's amazing <laughs> it's truly amazing less than a week rest between each <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like phenomenal it, but that pete is the power of the human spirit mm-hmm. right and when you when you convince yourself and you have that kind of a mindset powering your sales you really there's nothing you really can't do that's cool that's cool so okay so we got the three categories the creative the experiential and the attitudinal what discovery process or key introspection questions might you recommend we engage in to really zero in on a clear bullseye for for these pieces for us individually? Yeah, great question. And by the way, you have a great voice, Pete. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So first, the creative, right? I mean, I can tell you that so many people have let their passions go over the years as they became, quote, in air quotes, an adult. So there were things that you loved when you were a kid or in your earlier years and you let them go because, oh, you didn't have time anymore. You were working, whatever. Or there's additional new ones that have come along that you just haven't, you haven't given time over to because you're busy with other adult matters. And so, you know, really finding those things that you, that literally light you up when you do them and pay attention, ask your friends, ask your family, you know, what do you think that I love? They'll tell you, they'll know you're just the only one that forgot. So first, giving space in your life for those things, even if it's only 15 minutes a day or sometime per week. So because it's the act of giving yourself over to those passions that gives you that vital energy back. On the experiential front, I actually had somebody in my workshop last week ask me this very same question. She knew what her passion was. It was totally giving herself over into her children, but she didn't know how to identify an inspiration. And, and I said, well, I think that's that's a matter of paying attention to look around you. For a lot of people, it's nature, it's beautiful music, it's art, it's being or hearing about phenomenal stories. Like for me, I think Nelson Mandela is one of the most inspirational human beings I've ever known about. That he could devote his whole life to this idea of, you know, exercising apartheid is just amazing to me, right? So if you look around, there's so much to be inspired by. It just takes, what do you, what do you value? Do you value, you know, eradicating world hunger? Do you care about climate change? Do you care about economic improvement in your backyard. When you go looking for the things that you value, and then you go see who's doing something about those things or what's doing something about those things, I can guarantee you, you will find some kind of inspiration in that front. Mm -hmm. On the attitudinal space, first and most importantly, examine what is governing you today. But, you know, when you think about how you make decisions and what goes through your your mind throughout the day, if you could just, one, one thing that people do, Pete, is 
they'll set like a timer every hour or every two hours. And just in that moment, just quickly record what was on their mind. And then you can start to see the pattern of what actually shows up in your mind throughout the day. Oh man, I'm constantly thinking about how bad my life is, or I'm doing this wrong or whatever it is, right? So when you get a handle on what is that governing pattern of what guides your life in your thoughts, because most of the time that we're on autopilot for that, we don't even know what's in our mindset. So you have to bring it to your awareness. Now, one way to do that is to record your thoughts for some period of time, every hour, a couple hours to bring that to light and then to see how's that serving you? How's that working for you? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, well, could you maybe tie this together with a story of, of someone who was feeling low on the inspiration and then they did some discovery uh, around these points and, and had a transformation? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that. I don't, I didn't know if you were going to ask me about a story, but I thought, gosh, I want to bring this home. So my PhD is in human development and I studied meaning in work and identity when I was doing my, my research. And then several years later, I decided to expand that postdoc research into something much bigger. And I interviewed 115 men and women across 20 different professions about their experience of work and how they were, their person was related to it. And I found these 15 modes of engagement. And I was getting toward the end of the data collection, Pete, and I, you know, I'm like at 110 people, I want 115, and I needed a, a, another chef as one of my categories. And I found somebody who had been referred to me, called him up, I said, hey, I'm doing this research, it's about meaning work, and I did, and he goes, oh, at least you don't want to interview me. I hate my job. Hmm. And I'm like, I definitely want to talk to you because I'm trying to understand the full spectrum of experience. Please, can we talk? So we scheduled the in-person 90-minute interview at his restaurant. And I came uh, one evening at like six o'clock and we had dinner together at this restaurant and I interviewed him. And during the course of that 90-minute conversation, Pete, he fell into a pile of tears no less than five times. He was so miserable. He hated the fact that his family was at home while he was a, you know, a chef working Friday, Saturday nights, all the weekends. And they were living while he was working. He felt like he was trapped in his job. He made a lot of money. And he said, I'm and beholden to this because I, I have to pay my, my ex-wife all this alimony. Uh, my boss is a jerk. He yells at me every day. I walk on eggshells. I don't get to serve the menu I want. I got to I got to do what they do. You know, just he just was so miserable. So I finished collecting all this data. It was 2,800 pages. I go and analyze all this data and I come up with these 15 modes of engagement all the way from transcendental connection, which is the highest, most fulfilled to living your purpose and all the way down to number 15, which is existential crisis, which is where I found him to be. So part of my research design involved sharing with each of my participants, here's what I came up with. Here's how I came up with the results. Here are the 15 modes of engagement. Here's the one that I think you were exhibiting when we interviewed. Do you agree? And since I've interviewed you, do you think you've changed modes and to which one? So Pete, the day I go to, I schedule the, the conversation with this guy, his pseudonym is McKinney. I am not looking forward to this conversation. Who mm-hmm. wants to tell somebody they're in existential crisis? Looks like you're the worst. <laughs> you're in a real tight spot. Yeah. <laughs> to give that message yeah so uh the phone rings and i'm hoping he doesn't pick up so he picks up and he goes elise guess what i'm all the way up to conflicted fit (laughs) which is like you know six modes up from existential crisis and i'm i let a deep breath go and i'm like what happened what's going on he goes well elise after you interviewed me you know part of you remember when you sent me the transcript about our interview which is part of my design i shared that with my wife and my mother and when they read it they wept They had no idea I was so miserable. And so immediately what that did was it opened them 
And they just began to support me in a whole different way that I've just never had with them before. And so suddenly I just felt understood and appreciated in a way that I just never had. And he said, you know, today, so uh, I have the same boss. I still work, you know, he still screams. I still walk in eggshells. I have the same crappy hours. But he said, you know, what I've come to understand is I make good money. I can send both my kids to college. My kids are proud of where I work. And so the only thing that has changed, Pete, is his attitude, mm-hmm. right? How he's come to understand his work. So conflicted fit, that particular mode, what that speaks to is in you're in the right kind of work, but you're in the wrong place or the wrong environment. That's what that particular mode describes. Existential crisis speaks to having a negative view of yourself because of the work that you're doing. And you're literally on, you know, such an existential level that, you know, it's literally, you know, chopping away your soul. So it was quite, you know, quite a change for him. So, but again, all that speaks to is getting conscious, getting a, where are you today? What can you do to start to enroll other people in where you want to be in a life? And how can you change literally what happens and how you decide what that means? And that's your attitude will change. So he's a great example of literally, you know, in a matter of some weeks, he could change his whole life and his health and his relationships, but for the way that he was relating to his work. Wow. That's cool. Six rungs without actually changing the work itself. That's pretty potent. Well, and I want to hear a little bit about when it comes to, if if we are trying to inspire others, what should we think about? Yeah, I love that question. That's a killer question. Well, if we want to inspire others, first, we need to be turned on ourselves. That is job number one. You got to be turned on in your own life. People do not want to follow somebody who is a, a dill pickle who wants to hear about all the negative stuff that's going on in the world. That's not who they want to follow. They want to follow somebody who is excited about their own lives and feels great about where they're going what's and what's happening around them. And in the process, they're looking to see what's amazing and great about you. Wow, I've never seen anybody problem solve like, like you do in such a creative way. And usually people are like, what, really? And so when you as a leader can see what's amazing and great about your people and you help them then lift to a higher version of that by giving them opportunities and challenging them in a loving way to get them to be able to become higher versions of themselves, to realize more of their potential. That is an inspirational leader that people want to follow. People want to be able to realize their best and they can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right. So that's the starting point. And then what? Well, and then from there, you got to, you hold them to that, right? So if you do it right, You're going to bring them to places where they're scared to death. What do you mean, Pete, you want me to go and do that project? I can't do that project. I've never done that before. Mm -hmm, I know. So here's how we're going to help you get through that. And if they aren't literally, if their knees aren't knocking on occasion, you're not, you're not doing enough. Now, some people don't want to be challenged to that quite level. So you've got to understand a little bit of their appetite before you go pushing them over the edge. So that means you've got to really become a fantastic listener. Right. And so the best leaders literally do transform lives. And you know, you've done this well when you give them appreciation and feedback and the appreciation that you give them literally can move them to tears. And when they want to stay in touch with you for years over time, they don't want to let you go. Then, you know, you've done this well, but it's really, it's about transforming their lives, helping them to be able to see a greater possibility, giving them resources to be able to create that with and for themselves and introduce them to possibilities and opportunities that they couldn't have by themselves. Mm-hmm. And likewise, could you share a story of, of this coming to life? I want to share my own. So and this is a great example of, of an inspirational leader. I grew up in a small town in Northeastern Oregon, couldn't get out of there fast enough. My ticket out was Roland Hartle, who owned a small pumping company that I got to do a co-op job for. 
And he said the magic words, if you ever find yourself in Portland, you got a job with me. I'm like, I got to go. I'll see you later. I graduate high school, get to Portland, do a little bit of business college, go to work for him for, for 18 months in his commercial real estate development company as his administrative assistant. Pete, great job, time of my life. I'm in downtown Portland. I'm working for a commercial real estate developer. I'm just thinking he teaches me so much. He's funny. He's bigger than life. He pulls me forward. He believes in me, all these sort of things. 18 months on the job, one day out to lunch, he passes by my front desk, opens the door, walks out over his shoulder. He says, you got to get out of here. You got to go see the world, get an education, do something with yourself. But before you go, hire your replacement. And the door shuts. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, the whole time he's gone, just the singular question, did he just fire me? Mm -hmm. And uh, so he comes back through that same door a little over an hour, just, you know, merrily walks through and goes back to his desk. And I stop him. I'm like, hold on just a second, Roland. Did you just fire me? And he said, absolutely, it would be a crime to keep you here. So here's the magical thing about this, Pete. Before he said what he said to me, I did not know I could go to college. My parents were farmers and restaurateurs. They were very successful entrepreneurs. We didn't talk about college. So a bachelor's, three masters, and a PhD later, I think I can check the education box. Mm -hmm. He told me to go see the world. I lived in Spain and Brazil. I learned those languages. I, I speak five different languages. I've done work in many parts of the world and travel all the time. Still working on that. What are you doing with your life? That'll be a forever thing. But this guy, we're still involved. He's 84 years old now. And he came to my wedding. He called me every weekend when I got my divorce in 2016. Today, my job is to cheer for him as he brings together his new invention, the interlude chair. So we're still connected after all this time. So really great leaders. He totally saved my life, Pete. I mean, God, I, I don't know how long if I'd, I'd probably still be there. If he hadn't, he saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. He showed me that vision and he led me to it. And it required, in his case, to kick me out of the nest. Mm -hmm. What a saving grace and what a gift. And I'll never be able to thank him enough for that. Well, and I'm curious, we say he, he saw something in you you did not see in yourself. I mean, that sounds, in some ways, it just sounds like, oh, you know, he has a gift. How lovely. Can we learn to do that? And how? Yeah, I love that question, Pete. You're so good at this. Yeah, we sure can. Let's, and I, I use this phrase, go looking for your people. Go looking for them. He, he saw things my parents couldn't see in me, right? They couldn't see with their eyes. I do think he's unique because he, you know, he's a Czechoslovakian American. He, he survived getting out of the war. He was headed toward the camps. So I do think there was something special about him and we can all learn from him. So if we will literally stop looking at what's wrong with people, what are they not doing right? Which usually translates to what aren't they doing like I do because mm -hmm. my way is right. And we start looking for what's right about these people. What's different? What's unique? Why is it that Sally always asks these razor sharp questions in the meetings that some people find to be kind of put off, but they're so incisive. What can we do with that? Right? Go looking for the gem and everyone that we have in, in our group and in our team and talk with them about, you know, where's your life going, et cetera? What do you want to do? Do you know that you have this amazing gift to be able to really understand and make explicit that which others can't see? Do you know that? Most of the type of people don't know that. So when leaders can go looking for what's really right and different and special about their people and help them, one, become aware of that, and then two, if they're interested, steward that, develop that, learn to apply it, that's an amazing gift. That's an amazing gift to people. Lovely. Well, tell me, Elise, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? I guess I really, I just, I will always emphasize the point of, we really do just have one precious life as far as we know, right? And 
really, it's, it's an opportunity. It's your responsibility to do what you want in that. And it takes energy to do that. And there's, it's, it's right there. Logotherapy teaches us that being able to find the meaning in the moments is the easiest, cheapest thing that you can do to be able to steward that journey in an energizing, invigorating, vitalizing way. And it's right there for you. All right. Well, now could you share with us a favorite book? It's not a book, but it's a story. It's called The Beast in the Jungle. Do you know it? Mm-mm. I forget who the, who the author is. I'm sure one of our listeners will, will remind us. I read it when I was in my late teens, and it was so powerful for me, right? This is the power of writing and the power of stories, right? But the essence of it, Pete, is that the author, the narrator, is talking about this awful thing is going to happen to him in his life, and he knows it, and so he avoids all these relationships and and also that there's something really, really special that's awaiting for him, too. There's something awful and something special. And he spends his whole life, you know, protecting himself. But he, but he makes this this friendship with this woman and she totally buys into his vision of himself and they become lifelong friends. And at the end of this thing, we discover that their relationship was really intended anyway, that their relationship is really was the beast in the jungle the whole time. It was the thing that he was afraid of, and it was also his, you know, his best gift. And it just reminded me so much of how much we can lose in life when we're not open to the experience of, of life unfolding and that we don't trust the magic of the moments that are right here in front of us all the time. So it was such a profound book for me, and it, it's something I've never been able to forget. Mm-hmm. And is there a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you often. What people generally say about me is I'm energy and I'm inspiring. People remember the, you know, what will you do with your one precious life? People remember that you have it within you to do that which you want. Those are some of the major takeaways that people get from when I speak. Mm -hmm. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Well, my principal website is the easiest, EliseCortez.com. That's the easiest. Okay. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah. Get really flipping clear about what you're passionate about and do that. Do that like to the hilt. That is your one opportunity to distinguish yourself. And in so doing, you will totally energize and light yourself up. All right. Elise, this has been a treat. I wish you much purpose and inspiration. Thanks, Pete. I got more books to write. So thanks for the opportunity to be on the show with you. I appreciate getting to share my message. I really loved the story Elise shared about <laughs> that person she interviewed who said, I'm all the way up to conflicted fit. And they were excited about it. And what I loved about that is the enthusiasm associated with making progress. It's not all of a sudden, oh, I've discovered my passion. Oh, I'm super inspired in one great grand jolt. Eureka, I have it. Brother, step by step. Okay, what am I into? What are the interests, the attitudes, the values? What's going on? What's lighting me up? What's inspiring me? What are other people noticing me? And then sort of building and getting an ever closer match over time is often how these things go as a bit by bit, as opposed to sudden lightning bolt. And so getting up to conflicted fit is indeed progress worth celebrating. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links as we've referenced are over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP738. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. 
Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.